Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we're previewing Survivor Series. The Brothers of Destruction documentary came out on the WWE Network and how and why Ryan Cabrera should come to Monday Night Raw. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. So much to talk about today. We're, we're days, six days at the time of the uh, this podcast being dropped, six days away from uh, Survivor Series 2020. It's always very exciting. Survivor Series, you know, say what you want about Survivor Series, uh, but it gets me still. It absolutely still gets me. Some people don't think that it has the luster that it once did, you know, because you're growing up watching Survivor Series, and in the days of the Big Four, it was at least the fourth biggest pay-per-view of the year. It had to be, by definition. King of the Ring comes in, and you go, still, Survivor Series is bigger than King of the Ring. I still think it's ranking there at number four. Some, You know, I mean, I guess I would say WrestleMania and SummerSlam always going to be one and two. And I, you, I would always say Wrestle, Royal Rumble number three, but keep in mind, back in the day, until 1993, the winner of the Royal Rumble did not get the WrestleMania main event. 1992 Royal Rumble, big deal, because it's for the WWE Championship. But, you know, people say, oh, why does anybody want to be the team captain of a Survivor Series team? Who cares if a, a brand wins the Survivor Series? This and that, this and that. Well, there was a time... When the Royal Rumble was only about bragging rights, up until all the Royal Rumbles, 88, 89, 90, 91, it was just cool. That guy won the Royal Rumble. So up until then, I could see saying Survivor Series is a bigger pay-per-view, better pay-per-view. Once the Royal Rumble stakes were raised and you're either getting a WWE champion or a WrestleMania main event, well, then, plus, I mean, the idea that you've got, you know, 30 guys in there. So anybody could theoretically, when you're a kid, I mean, now you're a cynical adult. You've already booked the town. You think, you, you think you're in Vince's head, so you know who's going to win. But when you're a kid, there's 30 possibilities. Any of those guys, Bushwhacker Luke, might go to WrestleMania and become the next WWE champion. You never know. So once that happened, I would put Survivor Series at a strong number four. But before then... You could argue that Survivor Series was number three, and it's still, I mean, that that history, that tradition, you can never take it away. Um, before we get to Survivor Series 2020 and everything that we're expecting to see from Sunday, uh, thank you, all of you who have already watched this week's episode of Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network, uh, of course, the free version, by the way, of the WWE Network. Of course, you know, there's some people that are still confused. It's a completely different show than what you're listening to here. What you're listening to here is the Not Sam Wrestling Podcast, and uh, and it is what it is. You know, we have a great time talking about wrestling here, but the Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network show, it's a television show. It's a, it's a streaming, whatever, you know, visual show. I think this show probably works best as an audio show, and that show works best as a, as a visual streaming television show. So, uh, new show went up on Thursday. We have Samoa Joe on this week's show, which is great because not only did I get to talk to him about transitioning into commentary, and I did bring up that moment. Oh, the, the moment when I knew that Samoa Joe was really going to work, it was back when they were still doing shows at the Performance Center, and they were talking about AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe just slips in, and Samoa Joe is not in wrestler mode. Samoa Joe is in full commentary mode, and he just slips in uh, uh, well, AJ Styles, and it might have been in the lead up to WrestleMania. It could have been, but he just says something like, "One thing AJ Styles got to watch out for. He's got to make sure that he takes care of his family." And he just stares down the camera while Tom Phillips is yap yap yapping away. And you realize that that storyline, oh Wendy. That storyline of the evil Samoa Joe terrorizing 
AJ Styles' family in front of AJ Styles' own house. That's not a different Samoa Joe. That's the same Samoa Joe. That's the Samoa Joe that's doing raw commentary now. So I get to talk to him about that moment. I got to talk to him about AJ. Uh, I really had fun talking to him about Brock Lesnar because I think, you know, WWE moves at a pace right now that is so quickly. And, you know, you, so many pay-per-views, so many different matches, so many different superstars, two different brands of, of three different brands of stars. You kind of criticize what's in front of you immediately and then keep moving. But just looking a couple years back and looking at the rivalry that Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar had, uh, starting with the singles match, or, or I guess starting before Great Balls of Fire, but leading into Great Balls of Fire, a pay-per-view that should have been just obliterated because of the name. And it was being obliterated before the pay-per-view. But at the end of the show, people were like, I mean, I know the name's a little goofy, but you guys see that Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar match? And it led into, I think it was SummerSlam that year, where it was a, a quadruple threat, fatal four-way match with Roman and Brock and Samoa Joe and somebody else. I don't know who it was. But point is, and look it up on YouTube, there's this amazing promo where it's Joe, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Paul Heyman in the middle of a ring. And I don't care who you are. When you've got Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns, and Brock Lesnar in a ring, and you're the fourth guy in there, it is real easy to lose that spotlight. It is real easy to let that, because there is a lot of, of star power there, absorbing, naturally absorbing that spotlight. Samoa Joe didn't allow it to happen. I mean, I've never seen, you talk about the brass ring. Samoa Joe took his time and he just grabbed it immediately. Samoa Joe went in there with this real life aggression, the way he was interrupting people, the way he was, he was demanding to be taken seriously. That if you looked at Joe's face and you looked at Brock's face, you would swear a real fight was about to break out. It is an amazing segment uh, that is on YouTube, so you can go back and watch it. But I got to talk to him about that too, which was a, a, an absolute thrill. But definitely watch the show if you haven't already. We've had great interviews on every week, but we've had great segments too. Um, I guess the big segment that took a much larger chunk of time than I realized it would uh, was me kind of breaking down the Undertaker and Kane storyline. And really, I think I only took it to WrestleMania, maybe slightly past WrestleMania, maybe to the Inferno match, but... Really, it was just that year that was the debut of Kane. Because it really, I mean, people don't really put into context. The Kane story starts in May of 1997. And he doesn't debut until October. And the match doesn't happen until March of 98. That is an incredibly long storyline. And you could sit there because you don't use your brain. You just like to say stuff. You could sit there and go like, oh, well, back in the day, that's the way they used to do things. That's totally incorrect. It was the Attitude Era. It was the era of car crash TV. I mean, it was the era of throwing everything you could at the wall every single week because you were in the middle of a ratings war because wrestling as a whole and as an industry was hotter than it had ever been. And you weren't taking time to tell these deep, elaborate storylines. You were throwing everything you could and throwing every character you could. So the idea that even during the Attitude Era, they were able to fully not stretch out a story, but tell this story in the appropriate amount of time, which is 10 months, is incredible. So I went, and I mean, I did hours. I did hours of research into this. That's why I love doing the network show, by the way. I love the research that I'm doing for it. I went and I watched every segment of Raw, every match, and every pay-per-view match between starting with Revenge of the Taker in your house, which was Undertaker versus Mankind, and at the end of that match, the Undertaker sets Paul Bearer's face on fire. And the Undertaker setting Paul Bearer's face on fire is what gets the whole thing started. But I went from Revenge of the Taker all the way through to SummerSlam, because that's where the real meat of the Kane story is told, from SummerSlam in August to uh, Hell in a Cell in October. Not a ton of Kane story is being told, but it's just kind of looming there in the background. Kane debuts in October, and then you tell the story of October of 97, uh, uh, Bad Blood in Your House, going to WrestleMania 14 when you finally get the Undertaker-Kane match. There's a lot of meat on that bone. A lot of meat on that bone. And I thought that I could tell that story detailed 
and really break down how spectacular it is that this story anywhere on television, it's amazing that it exists. The fact that it happens to be on professional wrestling is just another, it's another example of WWE, I don't think, being taken seriously as the storytelling platform that it has been and can be. Um, it ended up going 22 minutes, and I thought it was great. You know, I've, I've heard some feedback from you guys that enjoyed it, so I would love to hear what you think about that. If you haven't watched it yet, make sure you watch uh, Not Sam Wrestling that went up last Thursday. Of course, we're going to have a new episode. It'll be up on the free version of the WWE Network at 10 a.m. on Thursday, this coming Thursday, and it's going to be mind-blowingly good. And I'm not using hyperbole. I'm not even saying that because it's about me. It's because of the other elements that are on the show. I don't want to spoil it yet. I don't like to, and it's not because, you know, there's some like uh, marketing plan. I just come from a world where you just never know what's going to happen. So I don't want to fully announce anything until everything is locked, locked, locked. But this week's show blew my mind. I'm still getting over it. The fact that it is happening. So I, I think once it airs, it'll blow your mind. So make sure that you're tuned into the free version of the WWE Network Thursday morning. The show will be available to stream starting at 10 a.m. Um, and it does go right along with the 30 Days of Dead Man that WWE is celebrating, and more specifically with the Brothers of Destruction, because that was this week's 30 Days of Dead Man. 30 Days of Dead Man, part of it is every Sunday, there's a new documentary coming out leading up till this Sunday, which is the Survivor Series, where we celebrate The Undertaker. And we'll talk about that when we talk about Survivor Series. But the first Sunday was meeting The Undertaker, which I haven't watched that yet. That's a quick one. It's like 25 minutes, and it's just people's stories of meeting The Undertaker for the first time. That's one of those that I'll just watch, you know, when I just need something entertaining and something that's going to bring me joy for a quick 25, I'll put it on. Uh, last Sunday was The Mortician, the story of Paul Bearer, which was excellent. Excellent. If you haven't watched that, definitely watch it. It was so great, and to see Paul Bearer get the credit that he deserves uh, was awesome because he's just a special guy, but we have we talked about that last week. This week's Undertaker doc was The Brothers of Destruction. The Brothers of Destruction, the documentary that premiered at the Austin Film Festival about a month ago, uh, it's on the WWE Network officially, and it's so cool. So it's basically just, like, you know how David Letterman has that Netflix show where he sits in an auditorium and he talks to somebody? Well, imagine that, except instead of David Letterman, it's The Undertaker, and instead of somebody, it's Kane. They basically have an empty auditorium. You see them, they, they, they shoot Undertaker and Kane driving there separately and they show up on stage and they walk on stage and they sit down and they just start telling stories together that when woven together, tell the story of this team, the Brothers of Destruction. And it goes into the debut of Kane and everything we talked about on the network last week. And then it goes into uh, how those characters transition, the American badass, Unmasked Kane. Um, it goes into the stuff they were doing separately. They do spend a good amount of time talking about King of the Ring 98, which is very important in the history of The Undertaker and Kane because it was the first pay-per-view that they each competed at that they didn't compete. They didn't compete against each other, and it wasn't building towards a competition against each other. You know, they didn't, obviously, Royal Rumble 98, they didn't compete against each other. In Your House, No Way Out, that was February of 98. Undertaker wasn't actually on the pay-per-view, and that was when they did a mask versus mask, Kane versus um, Vader match. And then right after that was WrestleMania 14. But King of the Ring 98 is when Undertaker has his Hell in a Cell match with Mankind, and Kane has the first blood match for the WWE Championship with Stone Cold Steve Austin. So they talk about that. They talk And, and you know, they talk about the evolution of it. They talk about the... Uh, match with DX that happened and, and completely went wrong. Uh, you know, Taker talks a little bit about uh, the streak being broken, some of that stuff that he's talked about before. It's just so, so good. And it's so great hearing these guys talk to each other about it because that's that's when you really get a sense of who they are, right? When they're together and they're able to just kind of reflect within each other's camaraderie that's when you really start to get these stories. It's much better than, you know, just a per Not that there's anything wrong with somebody interviewing them because, you know, I would love to sit there and, I mean, I've interviewed them before. 
And you learn a hell of a lot doing that. But it's just it's just a different experience watching them talk to each other and just sitting back and listening and sitting under the learning tree. I think it's great. They also do this amazing job of weaving in footage. And some of it is footage you've seen, of course, before, which is great. But the stuff I've never seen before, it still blows me away that WWE is putting out documentaries with footage that I haven't seen before. Because I've watched everything. I've watched every documentary. You'd think by now I've seen everything. But what really got me on this one was uh, at the WWE's warehouse in Stamford, they have a ring where people can go and and they work out, they develop new characters. Like when you see the footage of The Rock before he debuted and he's in that ring with Dr. Tom Pritchard, that's in the warehouse in Connecticut. When you see the pictures of like the Funkin' Dojo and Edge is there and uh, I think uh, Christian and maybe Test and Rhino that's in the Funkin' Dojo. That's in Connecticut. That's in the warehouse. So they actually have footage that they n- I've never seen before of Kane in the ring, in the warehouse, and he's fully gimmicked up. He's wearing the mask. He's wearing the outfit. He's wearing everything. And he's learning how to move like The Undertaker. They have footage of him learning how to sit up, learning how to tombstone, learning how to do all this stuff just like The Undertaker, so that when he does debut, he's ready to do it. And and, and seeing that, that's what, that's what, that's the type of stuff that I go crazy for. Seeing that is so, so cool to me. So definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, you won't regret it. It's it's just a and it's only like, you know, it's less than an hour. So it's an easy watch. And it's just so interesting to see these guys talking. It's just a great opportunity to sit under that learning tree. Um Part of, uh, part of what makes all this stuff so special is, and The Undertaker's talked about it before, is that double-edged sword of social media where most of this Undertaker stuff we're hearing for the first time. You know, since, since uh, what was the, what, the Last Ride documentary series, which I'm re-watching now. It's so great. I feel like at some point I'm going to be Undertakered out, but I'm not even close yet. I am not even close. I'm rewatching it now, and it's it, so I don't have to wait weeks in between each chapter. It's such a great series, dude. It is such a great series. But you know, since that came out, basically the, throughout the entire pandemic, the Undertaker has been around doing interviews and is just expelling thirty years of stories. And, and he's responsible for doing it all now. You know, he never did it before, and now he's got to do it all. Uh, and and he, he's talked about that, that, that it was easier for him to maintain that Undertaker character when it needed to be maintained because social media wasn't a thing and that it did change everything. You know, when he was on Jim and Sam, my show on Sirius XM, he said that, that when he got an Instagram account, people started acting like their childhood was destroyed. And he was like, I'm sorry, man. I don't want to take on all that responsibility to tell you the truth. I don't think I, and I wouldn't either. But um, I, I I think that social media is a reality in this world, uh, in the world that we live in, in the world of sports entertainment. And I think that we have to learn how to live with it. And I think that we can actually use it as a tool. For example, we're recording this on Sunday. Uh and today, yesterday, uh, at the time this podcast comes out, it was everywhere. Alexa Bliss announces that she's engaged. Uh, a lot of Alexa Bliss fans are so happy for her. A lot of Alexa Bliss fans are very, very sad because I guess they thought that Alexa Bliss was going to marry them. Until she got engaged, it was, so you're saying there's a chance. I saw in the Not Sam Wrestling Discord room where all our Not Sam shills that are signed up to patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling that we all get to chat uh, there were a couple of them that were upset that Alexa was engaged because they thought that that was going to be them. And unfortunately, it's not. But don't worry. You still got the Patreon community. You still got us, not Sam Shills, that are there for you. It's not It's not all bad news. But it was everywhere. You know, she posted this video of, of Ryan Cabrera, pop star Ryan Cabrera, who she's been very publicly dating, um, proposing to her. Beautiful thing. You know, love is a wonderful thing. Uh, seeing two happy people join in holy matrimony and become even happier is wonderful. It's one of the happiest things. If you are with the right person, 
the day, the night, the evening, the afternoon that you get engaged, one of the happiest times ever. It's just such an expression of joy. It's beautiful. I love it. But everybody's talking about it now. I mean, Alexa Bliss is a huge star. You know, you've got WWE tweeting about it. And I think WWE probably should be. It's, it's, it's a little bit absurd to ignore it. You know, not only is one of the biggest stars, really, realistically, Alexa Bliss is one of the biggest stars in WWE, male or female. She's one of the most famous people in WWE. So, you know, and this is big. WWE is big time now. You got Sasha Banks over here on The Mandalorian, which, you know, you see Sasha Banks, one of the big, another one of the biggest stars in WWE on the, probably the biggest TV show that's on the air right now. You see that happening, which weird that WWE isn't making a bigger deal out of that. Like I, if I were WWE, I'd be shouting it from the rooftops. But um, you've got that going on at the same time. You got this very public engagement, you know? I mean, I feel like we should, let's angle for a reality show. Let's get E on the phone. I was watching Total Bellas over the weekend and I was like, you know what? I miss when they would go to WrestleMania. I was just sitting there waiting for them to go to wrestling. <laughs> I was like, oh wait, there is no more wrestling. And that's when I realized that I was watching Total Bellas for the wrestling parts. They still got Daniel Bryan on the show. Obviously, no more John Cena. They're not going to wrestling shows anymore. So it's like, oh, I mean, I like the Bellas, but I'm still, you know, living in Bree mode 24-7, but they're not going to wrestling shows anymore. So, um, yeah, so let's get Alexa Bliss and Ryan Cabrera. Let's get uh, blissfully something or other. You know, you got Bliss already in there. You you got it. But here's what I think needs to happen. Now that we've acknowledged it, WWE has acknowledged it. It's all over WWE's social media platforms. I think that you got to lean into it. And I think that you should use it. I think that, that this can be a lot of fun, especially because Ryan Cabrera is also a public person. Here's the way I think this needs to go. You had this segment on Raw last week where Nikki Cross... Is, is talking to Alexa, and there's this acknowledgement that they used to be friends, which I think is great. We're not pretending that the Alexa-Nikki partnership never happened. It was a big part of WWE at the time. You know, we're still acknowledging it. And Alexa's doing that weird, phony, friendly, like almost like I'm in a trance Pee Wee Herman thing. And Nikki Cross tells her, Alexa, you got to pick me or the fiend. And Alexa, as if it doesn't bother her at all, goes, oh, okay, I pick him. And walks away. And Nikki Cross is befuddled by the whole thing. Befuddled. I love this. I think we need to keep this going. You know? I, I Look, this is the type of stuff I want for Alexa Bliss and The Fiend. This is why I say keep The Fiend away from the Universal Championship. Keep The Fiend away from the WWE Championship. Because these are the types of stories you can tell. You know? I think that, that we should go back and look at who her friends were in NXT. Start telling those stories. And have somebody come out and, you know, go like, Lexi, like, what are you doing? Like, think you're, you're not the same person. What, what's happening? I pick him. And, you know, over the course of a couple weeks, have her abandoning all of her old friends. And then finally, Ryan Cabrera comes out on Raw. And it's like real life now. It's like, is this Alexa Bliss? Is this, what's her name, Lexi Kaufman in real life? I don't know. I only know people by their wrestling names. But is this the real Alexa Bliss from real life? Is this the character Alexa Bliss? Now we're mixing everything up, which is what we should all be doing. That's the way wrestling is at its best. Mix everything up. And you have Ryan Cabrera out on Raw. And he's like, Alexa, I love you. And she's like, I love you too. You know, like, yeah, of course you love me. I love you. We're, we're doing great. And he's like, well, you're not the same person. I thought when we got engaged, it would shake you out of this trance that you're in. She's like, I'm not in a trance. I'm just seeing things for what they are for the first time. Ryan Cabrera goes, Lexi, I need you to, I need you to pick. I need you to pick me or the fiend. She's kind of taken aback. She's like, I didn't realize you felt that way, Ryan. He's like, well, that's how I feel. And she's like, well, in that case, I pick him. He's like, what? And then you hear, boom, 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 boom. And the lights go out. Whatever those sounds are. And Tom Phillips is going, oh, no. 
not here. That's Alexa Bliss's fiance, pop sensation Ryan Cabrera. And the red lights come on, and the fiend is behind Ryan Cabrera. And Ryan Cabrera is just looking around, and he's looking at Alexa Bliss like, what are you doing here? Like, this is our real life. And then he realize, he gets those goosebumps. He realizes the fiend is right behind him. So he turns around, and the fiend just cocks his head and sticks his tongue out of his mask. And then he grabs Ryan Cabrera by the skull, dips him over, gives him a kiss on the forehead, and he sister Abigail's Ryan Cabrera. Alexa Bliss's real-life fiancé gets sister Abigailed, and Alexa Bliss is just standing over him smiling. I love it, man. I mean, I, I, I think that, that why not? Why not? I feel like it would be good for everybody involved. Like, let's, let's, let's blur the lines here, guys. Let's not pretend there's two separate entities as it's happening. Eventually, we can tell the story of how, like, oh, this was so wild and in my personal life and blah, blah, blah. But while it's happening, let's start blending these lines. Let's blur it all together. And be like, but that's her real fiance, right? Yep. Like, the best is when you're trying to explain to a non-wrestling fan what's storyline and what's not storyline, and they get confused because you're a little bit confused because you're not 100% sure where the lines are and who's getting worked by what. Maybe WWE tweeting about this was part of the storyline all along. Are they even really engaged? I don't even know anymore. I don't know anything anymore. I guess I'm just going to sit here and watch Monday Night Raw and find out, find out what happens next because that's the way we should be watching anyway. Just let it play out and see what happens. I would love that if that happened. I would love it if that happened. Socket in our Discord room says, I love that Sam has Cabrera taking bumps like the Fiend doesn't use the mandible claw. Oh, no. He can hit the mandible claw after. Or maybe Alexa Bliss puts the mandible claw on him or something like that. But he has taken Sister Abigail. I mean, we are laying out Ryan Cabrera because I want E! News. I want Entertainment Tonight. I want whatever extra, whatever entertainment shows are left on television. I want People Magazine, People.com. I want everybody posting videos of being like, pop star Ryan Cabrera, remember him? Well, I remember, I remember. Well, now he's getting laid out by The Fiend on Monday Night Raw because here's what happens. If you have a pop star that you grew up idolizing and he's getting laid out, here's the way that works. You get the people who don't watch wrestling to not only get a glimpse of Monday Night Raw, but they get a glimpse of The Fiend. The Fiend is one of the most unique properties that WWE has. The Fiend is the type of visual that when a non-wrestling fan watches, they go, what the hell is that? I might have to tune in and see what that's all about. That's one of the strengths of The Fiend. And if you've got footage of Ryan Cabrera eating his sister Abigail and his real-life fiance Alexa Bliss is looking on happily in that weird Fiend state, oh, you got money, bro. You got money. I hope they're already thinking in that direction. If not, I'm going to text Bruce Pritchard because somebody has to tell them, get Ryan Cabrera on that show and lay that mf -er out. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. Congratulations to the two of them. But I have to believe, too, that Ryan Cabrera would have the time of his life. I know I would. If my fiance was a wrestler and she was like, hey, would you mind coming to Raw and having The Fiend give you a sister Abigail? I'd be like... Number one, that's awesome. Number two, after the show, may I get a picture of him in full gimmick? I really wish I could do that. I really wish. I mean, I wish. I wish that I could. I, I, one of the shows that I was at that The Fiend was at too. I wish I could just go like, hey, bro, can we take a picture with you still in your full gimmick and not be a, a weirdo that doesn't deserve to be backstage? Because, <laughs> man, do I want that picture. I really, really do. Um, speaking of letting things play out, man, all you Lana haters, GTFO, bro, okay? Get the hell out of here. Why are you... The complaints about Lana being put through a table every week. Lana being put through a table every week is something I look forward to on Monday Night Raw. I was legitimately disappointed this week on Raw when in the first segment, Lana didn't get put through the table. When they put her through the table in the second segment, I was like, okay, there is a God. All right, good. I needed this. 
I needed this. COVID rates are going back up. I needed some good news. Lana went through a table again. Fantastic. And it's, it's, it's not because I dislike Lana. It's because it's good storytelling. I think. And you're going to sit there and call me a shill. Be like, good storytelling. Somebody going through a table. It's fun. It's funny. It's Lana. You know? It's not like you're sitting there and taking Becky Lynch, potentially the greatest star that's ever lived, and just wasting her by putting her through a table every week. Lana's going through a table every week, and you give it time. She'll probably be the sole survivor on the Women's Raw Survivor Series team. And she'll probably put Nia Jax through a table at the end of it or something like that. Or maybe she won't, you know? But just let this thing go somewhere. Like, people get so mad that WWE drops storylines. And then when you see Lana consistently go through a table every single week, you're still mad. Why are you mad? Why are you watching? Stop watching wrestling. Just stop. Don't watch it anymore. If you're mad that Lana is going through a table every week, don't watch wrestling. Because that's the type of stuff they do on wrestling. They tell stories that involve people going through tables. Lana's a really good actress. When Lana was on Twitter crying about her match with Asuka, when Lana, Lana went from, okay, Lana's acting in all the Bobby Lashley stuff was pretty good. I mean, based on how ridiculous the content was, it was pretty good. Matter of fact, the wedding segment, as I've said many times, the Lana Lashley wedding segment as a segment was a good segment and it, and, it, and it got people interested and it got people talking for better or worse. I think it was a great success as a segment. Storyline, not a great success because it didn't go anywhere. But as a segment, it was very good. And one of the main reasons it was good is because Lana's acting. Like Lana made you believe in whatever you believed in. Now... You believe that Lana is being victimized. You believe that Lana is being bullied. You're like, what the hell is Nia Jax's problem? You buy it. And if you're buying it, then I don't see what the issue is. Unless you just don't like Lana or you don't like Nia Jax. I think there are a lot of people who just don't like Nia Jax and they poo-poo everything that she does. But like, okay, that's fine. But then don't act like you're actually rating the show. Just say, well, I... I'll, I'll give you my opinion on it, but you should know I poo-poo everything Nia Jax does. And if you say that, then I'm like, okay, well, then say whatever you want. I'll take it with, you know, a grain of salt. But I, 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 think, it's, I think it's fun. I think it's hilarious. You know, I, I, I like figuring out every week how they're going to get to a scenario. I'm like, why is Lana even coming out there? I see Lana come out. She's having her match. Then Nia Jax comes out, and I go, oh, Nia's going to ruin it. Lana's trying to have a match. And Nia's just going to put her through a table again. Just for no reason. <laughs> but, I mean, it's funny. It's entertaining. And that's what it is. It's entertainment. Like, just see where it goes. I mean, you don't know if it's good or bad yet. That's my point. I don't mind people calling stuff out when it's bad. But Lana being put through a table is not, I mean, it's potentially great. It's potentially horrible. In the meantime, it's kind of funny. So let's see where it goes. There is no reason to believe that it's not going to be like, oh, cool. You know, I think that it is building sympathy for Lana. I think that there are people that want Lana to get revenge. There are people. Nia Jax is a bigger heel than Lana is. People don't like Nia Jax. And Lana's a, 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 a quite a good actress. So why not? Oh, but where will this go? Where is it going? Just let it go there. Okay? Let it go there. If it doesn't end up going there, then we can have that discussion after it doesn't go anywhere. Or if it goes somewhere stupid, we can have that discussion where it goes somewhere stupid. But just because it could potentially go somewhere stupid, I don't want to have that conversation with you. You're a negative person. It seems like they waste all their time. That's what I think about you. It's exactly what I think about you. Oh, man. Speaking of, uh, of women, we had some sad news. Firstly, um, I'd say the, the less sad news would be Chelsea Green. And that's another one. Like, I learn, I try to learn my lessons, okay? Fool me once, can't fool me again. That's what I always say. But, like, people were outraged at Chelsea Green's uh, treatment. 
Chelsea Green debuts on SmackDown in that fatal four-way, and she just disappears, and people were outraged. Outraged. I seen it. I seen it on social media. Outraged. And then come to find out she broke her wrist. Sometimes that stuff happens too. A lot of times there is reason to be outraged. I'm not going to pretend that that never happened. You know, a lot of times it's like, why would you even bother doing this? That happens all the time. But also this time, that's not what happened. What happened this time was she she finally made her debut on SmackDown. A big deal was made out of it. A decent enough deal was made out of it. I thought she looked like a star coming out. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Chelsea Green supporter. I'm a big Chelsea Green fan. She doesn't have the best taste in dudes. You know, I mean, I, I think she could do better in terms of a fiance. But I heard his action figure collection is amazing. So, you know, he's got that going for him. But I do think that she's a star. I, I think she's great. And I like her attitude. Like, she thinks that she's a star. And I think you need to have that. Uh, so it's a bummer that she broke her wrist. She was on her Instagram and everything explaining what had happened. But, you know, on her social media, she seems optimistic. She seems like this is just part of the journey. Let's go. Let's see what happens next. Just another setback. I just get through it. And I hope she does, man. I'm bummed about Zelina Vega being released. Um, I don't know about the the business end of it. Like, I'm not going to pretend to be one of these guys who all of a sudden has a law degree and can tell you exactly what should be happening with an independent contractor and exactly what should be happening with an employee uh, or who pretends that they were in the room when WWE released Selena Vega and knows exactly what happened. All I know is that she was released very surprisingly on Friday uh, and then she showed up on Twitch and was very, very upset by it. And I'll tell you why I'm bummed. Number one, she's an awesome person. Awesome person who has worked extremely extremely hard to get to where she's at. When I tell you, and I've known her for a long time, and she has been trying to get into the position that she ended up in for years and years and years. You talk about somebody who just wants to be a wrestler in the WWE and who will just keep working and keep working and keep working. Look, she got some success very young, you know, when she ended up in TNA uh, early in her career. And when that went away, it didn't, you know, immediately lead to the next thing. And that's a real tough pill to swallow. That's a lot to go through on top of everything else she's gone through in her life. But she kept going and she kept going and she kept going. And eventually, finally, she made it to NXT. And the minute she got an opportunity, and I feel like every opportunity she's ever gotten, she has shined. When she was in NXT as a manager, she was shining. When she finally got to so show what she could do physically, you know, dropping Hurricane Ranas on Johnny Gargano, she was shining. When she showed up to Raw, I mean, there was a period of time on Raw in the beginning of this pandemic where they were putting her in, it felt like 40% of the show was Zelina Vega segments. And they were all good. You weren't hearing people going like, I'm so tired of hearing from Zelina Vega. She's great on commentary. She's great on promos. You know, I, I just think she's such a talent and she's such a worker, such a hard worker. And, you know, such a, uh, in my experience, such a good person. Uh, I don't worry at all about her future. You know, she's going to be just fine, whatever she ends up doing with herself. Uh, hopefully she will end up back in WWE at some point because I think that it's what she was born to do. But it's a bummer. It's a bummer that she won't be there anymore. And it's a bummer as a fan. That's really where I think about. Because look, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a person in the WWE office. And I'm not a wrestler. I'm a fan. I'm a big wrestling fan. I think it's very important to come from the perspective that is actually your honest perspective. I don't ever pretend to be anything I'm not. I don't ever pretend to have any knowledge that I don't have. What The way this will affect me is I will not see a great performer on television anymore. And that's a bummer. So hopefully that changes for Zelina Vega uh, certainly sooner than later. Uh, coming up. Survivor Series. Survivor Series on Sunday. It is really, I feel like, snuck up on us. I can't believe that Survivor Series is less than a week away. But come to find out it is. They're doing the new tradition of Survivor Series. I say new because it's only in the last few years. But it's the uh, one night of the year when Raw and SmackDown compete in head-to-head -head competition. Although, they have a new tagline. Best of the best? Is that the tagline this year? I think it might be best of the best. Yes, Best of the best. Best of the best this year. Uh, we're going to find out who's the best of the best. Um, 
We've got one, two, three, four champion versus champion uh, matches announced, which would make sense. There's one there, you know, there's, I guess, four titles on every show, primary men's, secondary men's, tag team and women's. Um, interesting that this year they're not doing NXT. You know, last year they did NXT, and I think it was a big moment for Shayna Baszler, and I think it was a big moment for Keith Lee. And if you look at Monday Night Raw today, both Shayna Baszler and Keith Lee are in very prominent positions. As a matter of fact, both Shayna Baszler and Keith Lee are on this show. So it's interesting to me that they would not use this opportunity to put a spotlight on some of that NXT talent. But at the same time, you know, I it, it is... It does. It is a little bit more uniform with how NXT is kind of treated in the spectrum of WWE. I don't think that this means that NXT, you know, because people go, well, it's supposed to be three equal brands, so it should be three equally represented brands. And you could argue that they are. It's just, I think NXT does well being separated but still being considered an equal brand, meaning NXT gets to do their own pay-per-views with TakeOver. NXT gets to have their own completely unique rosters. NXT gets to have their own completely unique look. NXT is different. Raw and SmackDown are similar. So, and I think that that works best for NXT. It makes NXT an alternative product, which is the whole point of NXT ultimately. So I'm okay with NXT not being on this show, although I think it would be... Uh, a decent thing to at least have NXT involved in the men's and women's matches. However, they are not. So let's first go over the champion versus champion matches. Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Uh, I think this should be a fairly one-sided affair. I think that even though it's like obvious that Bobby Lashley would win this match, yeah, I mean, I think he should he should destroy Sami Zayn. Um, primarily because I don't think that that would hurt Sami Zayn at all to be destroyed by Bob Lashley. And I think Bob Lashley... Uh, could use having a moment to destroy somebody. I think that would be a good thing for Bob. Um, you got New Day versus the Street Profits. You know, in my mind, the Street Profits could certainly use the win. It would be a bigger win for the Street Profits. But ultimately, I think you gotta, you really want to cement Kofi and Xavier as a main event level act on Raw. You want to, you want the New Day, because the New Day is potentially a tag team attraction that can do maybe not quite what Becky Lynch did. Becky Lynch from the women's division became the biggest star on Monday Night Raw. Um, and Raw is kind of all about star power, right? Raw not having Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the star of WWE. You can say whatever you want, but Roman Reigns, especially now, he's the star of WWE. With SmackDown having Roman Reigns and Sasha Banks, it's crazy. It's crazy the star power that's on that show. So I think that I would have the New Day win this match. Uh, I think you want to cement Kofi and Xavier Woods as a legendary tag team. I think that the New Day has a little bit of stink on them since they got separated. The headline is that the New Day aren't together anymore. And I think you want to use this opportunity to show that even though the New Day is not all on the same show anymore, they're still just as strong separately as they would be together. I think if you have the Street Profits win this match, while yes, it will make the Street Profits look good momentarily, ultimately the message you're sending is that when the New Day is just Kofi and Xavier and Big E is not with them, then they're not as strong. And I think that that's bad for everybody involved. I think that's bad for Raw. I think it's bad for SmackDown. I think it's bad for Big E. I think it's bad for Kofi and Xavier. So I would have Kofi and Xavier win that match. Uh, Asuka versus Sasha Banks. You know, I, I I think, I think, you know, right now I'm giving Bob from Raw the win. I'm giving New Day from Raw the win. I really think that Sasha Banks should win this match. I think Sasha Banks should finally go on the streak that we've been waiting for her to go on. I think that if Sasha Banks, they're, 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 such a big deal was made out of Sasha Banks not being able to hold on to a championship. Such a big deal was made out of, Sasha Banks having a curse on her where she was clearly going to lose the match to Bailey. And when she beat Bailey on SmackDown in a barn burner of a match, by the way, it became clear that this was a different Sasha Banks. This is Mandalorian Sasha Banks. Okay. 
2020 babyface Mandalorian Sasha Banks is, she's got to be a force. I mean, we have to get Sasha Banks as close to Becky Lynch levels as possible. I don't think she's, like, it's, just, it's not going to happen. You know, Becky Lynch is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. But, you know, I think what, what you have to do is you have to potentially build a women's division where if you have Charlotte versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania, it could main event the show. You have to build Sasha Banks to a level where she's finally the person who can beat Charlotte. And she hasn't been since she's been on the main roster. Sasha Banks has been a strong, solid second place since she's been on the main roster at her best. And I think she's, and, and I'm not saying she deserves that. Sasha Banks has been my favorite wrestler for a long time. I'm just saying that's the way she's been portrayed. I think that now, now is the time for her to be the person that can beat everybody. I think you, you, you put Sasha Banks in a position where she can beat everybody. And eventually, if Becky Lynch does return, I think Sasha Banks is the person that Becky Lynch is looking at. I think, I think we can build Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch into a huge, huge match. You know, to the point where you've been building Sasha Banks so well this whole time that Becky Lynch is coming back to a different show. Becky Lynch is coming back to a different Raw, a different SmackDown, whatever show they're representing. And Becky Lynch has not had to deal with this Sasha Banks. And she's out of her element. Things have changed since she's been gone. And now it's like, okay, 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 Becky, what do you got? What do you got for us, Becky? I think that's the match you want to lead to. I don't know that, I'm not saying that I, I see a Charlotte-Sasha Banks match at WrestleMania. If I were to book WrestleMania right now, it would be Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte and Bailey versus Sasha Banks one final time. You know, I, I've seen people that are like pissed, pissed that Carmella and Sasha, that Sasha Banks and Bailey was dropped for, over Carmella. And it's like, why would you do all this work to drop Bailey and Sasha Banks so quickly? So you can go back to it. You would you just start watching wrestling? So you can go back to it. It's November. You're not gonna have Bailey versus Sasha Banks from November until April. Technically, you started in September. So you just want to have Bailey versus Sasha Banks matches from September until WrestleMania, and then go like, hey, guess what we have for WrestleMania? Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Oh, cool. The match I've been watching since September. Oh, you have that for WrestleMania? Oh, great. I love WrestleMania. That's stupid. Okay, I believe strongly that the reason that Bailey versus Sasha Banks has been declared as over and Sasha Banks has been declared a definitive winner of that rivalry is so Bailey can rebuild and come back for WrestleMania. You dummies. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, I read these opinions and then I just save it. I save all my angst up for the podcast. But. So that's, I mean, that's where I would do it. I would do Sasha Banks versus Bailey. I would do um, Sasha Banks versus Bailey, and I would do Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble, and instead of challenging for the NXT Women's Championship, which I would not have her beat uh, Io Shirai for, I would have some kind of chicanery happen. Io Shirai leaves takeover with the Women's Championship, and somebody else beats Io Ford at the next takeover, or on NXT TV if you want. Maybe Leon Ruff. By the way, I talked about NXT and Leon. For those of you that are, are, are missing some of the NXT coverage, we do a lot of it on the uh, Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, which is the bonus show we do exclusively for Patreon every single Thursday. So we just end up talking about NXT on that show a lot because NXT's on Wednesday and that show comes out on Thursday. So if you want more of that coverage, less than a dollar a week, patreon.com slash Wrestling, You get access to the Discord room and you get to listen to Thursday, Not Sam Thursday every week as well as other bonuses. But um, yeah, that that that's where I would take that. I would have Io Shirai beat Rhea Ripley with chicanery. I would have the probably Candice LeRae chicanery. I would have Candice LeRae get the next shot at Io Shirai. I would have Candice LeRae beat Io Shirai maybe at NXT TV. I would have yeah, and then if you're gonna do a takeover Royal Rumble weekend. If you, I'm assuming you're doing a War Games takeover. If you're going to do another, and that's where you'll, oh wait, is Rhea versus EO next week on NXT TV? It might be. So I'd have Candice LeRae interfere in that. 
and then maybe do a triple threat or something like that. Candice LeRae ends up getting a shot at the NXT Women's Championship at the at TakeOver War Games, whenever that's going to be. And Candice wins the NXT Women's Championship. And Rhea's chasing her, but Candice doesn't give her an opportunity. And then Rhea wins the Royal Rumble. And instead of going after Candice, she goes after Charlotte, who beats Asuka at the Royal Rumble or maybe after. Now, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Because my point in all this is that Asuka versus Sasha Banks is none of these matches are title for title. You can have a champion lose and still be the champion on their show. They're going to go and, and be removed from this opponent anyway, so it's not going to hurt them. I think we've watched Asuka beat Sasha Banks before. I think Survivor Series is the night that Sasha Banks finally beats Asuka. Bank statement, boom, Asuka taps. Make Sasha Banks look strong. I think that's the mission going towards WrestleMania and beyond. Make Sasha Banks look strong. And I think you get to WrestleMania and you have Sasha Banks standing over Bailey again, looking strong. And eventually you bring Becky Lynch back and you have a super, super fight between Becky and Sasha. So that's why Sasha Banks has to beat Asuka. And then your champion versus champion match. Right now it's Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. Universal Championship versus WWE Championship. Obviously it's not title for title. Um... I'm glad I'm glad that Drew McIntyre was on SmackDown this week. And the reason is, I mean, it was weird that he had a full-on match. I think I probably would have not done the match, even though WWE owner Adam Pearce can, I guess, do whatever he wants because he's in charge of both shows. Uh, uh, I was still happy that Drew was on SmackDown because we haven't really built this matchup at all. Um, and it not only builds towards Survivor Series and the match that Roman Reigns is going to have at Survivor Series, but it was a huge commercial for Monday Night Raw. They basically said, look, SmackDown has more people watching it than Monday Night Raw does. Let's have Drew McIntyre go on SmackDown and do a commercial for Monday Night Raw. I think there is a, a high likelihood. I think a lot of people are expecting Randy Orton to lose the WWE Championship on Monday Night Raw this week. I think tonight, a lot of people are expecting a title change tonight. And I wouldn't be shocked. Um, either Drew or The Miz. Personally, I would either have I, I would not have Drew McIntyre win that title. I would I would absolutely not have Drew McIntyre win that title. I would not have your Survivor Series match be Roman Reigns versus Drew. I think the way to go is to have Miz interfere, have Randy win the match. Randy goes on to Survivor Series. Drew interferes. Roman beats Randy. And then in all the nonsense and chaos, Miz cashes in on Randy and becomes the WWE champion. And Drew either chases Miz or the Fiend gets involved or maybe the Fiend gets involved with Randy now that he's not the champion. But going into Survivor Series, I would have Randy Orton be the WWE champion. Coming out of Survivor Series, I would have Roman Reigns win and the Miz leave Survivor Series with the WWE Championship. And you're probably asking them, what was the point of, of getting everybody all excited about or attempting to get everybody all excited about Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns? And the answer is the long play. My match for WrestleMania, from the, from the time that Roman Reigns showed up at SummerSlam and turned heel, my, and he was a heel at SummerSlam, my match has always been Roman versus Drew at WrestleMania, period. I know you guys want to see Roman versus The Rock. It could happen. It would be a huge match if it did. But the fact is that it's time for WWE to push all their eggs towards current talent. You've got two giant stars finally in WWE. You've got a bad guy that people are, I mean, you who knows if people are booing or cheering, you know? you got a bad guy that the Thunderdome is booing. You got a good guy that the Thunderdome is cheering. But I think the, the the vibe out there is that people accept Drew McIntyre as a good guy and people are pleased as punch that Roman Reigns is a bad guy. I mean, I think you could go to WrestleMania telling an amazing story. I mean, if anybody on the roster can beat Roman, it's Drew McIntyre. I love the idea of Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble two years in a row. I just, I mean, I love the idea of seeds being planted now. I love the idea of the biggest match at WrestleMania being a match between two active members of the roster. 
I love the idea of coming off of WrestleMania 37. God, good Lord, it's going to be WrestleMania 37. But coming off of WrestleMania 37 with a photo finish of the man who will be the face of the WWE going forward. I think that WWE is in a space right now where they need to create new stars. I think those new stars need to be created around a clear-cut individual who is the face of WWE in 2020. And the face of, we can, we can embrace every legend that the WWE has, and I think we should. Everything we're doing with The Undertaker, we should be doing it. Everything we do with Stone Cold, we should be doing it. But at the same time, there should be this other thing where you should, you should be able to find a way where you can satiate the people that have been watching WWE for years and go, yep, that's my guy Stone Cold. He's back on TV. That's my guy The Undertaker. He's back on TV. And still have the younger fans not be given this idea, those are the real stars. I don't know about these guys today. You can, you can find a way where you can embrace the stars of the past but ultimately have a show where the biggest stars on the show are the guys and girls of today. And I think if you have a WWE where Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre is the top of the show for the men and Sasha Banks versus uh, Becky Lynch, if she comes back, and this, this would be beyond WrestleMania, obviously, like those are the two top people in the women's division, that's a pretty strong lineup for WWE going into 2020. WWE needs a revamp. WWE needs to, needs, they need a ruthless aggression era again. Man, you go back and you look at some of the stuff that was going on in the early 2000s, it's amazing. People don't talk about it enough, but it's incredible. It's incredible stuff that was happening right after the Attitude Era. And it was because it was time to revamp. Keep Randy Orton around. Randy Orton's doing the best work of his career. Keep The Miz around. He's great. But ultimately, Let's get some young people on this show. Let's call some people up from NXT and put them in positions where they actually look like giant big stars. And all the young people that are there, bust ass so that every time there's a live microphone in front of you or every time there's a camera in front of you, you're acting like this is my one and only opportunity to get every single person who's watching this show interested in me. People talk about that all the time, okay? Both things need to happen. You need to have a company that's going to put people out there that are showcasing them as giant stars. At the same time, you need to have those young people be able to step up and no matter what's in front of them, if it's a microphone, if it's a match, if it's whatever. And I don't want to hear anything about scripted this. I don't want to hear anything about, well, you know, handcuffs that. Man, if there is a camera in front of you or a live mic in front of you, I hope that you are at least attempting to create something that will last forever. You're not, you're going to fail most times. You're not usually going to have something that lasts forever, but it's WWE. Okay. We all grew up watching it. We all know that this is a place where iconic moments happen. All right. It's not different still. It's not different today. It's still the same. Every time. There is a microphone that says WWE on it, and it is on, and it is live. You should be trying to do something that lasts forever. Every time there's a camera lens pointed at you and a red light is on top of it, and you're live, pal, you should be trying to do something that will last forever. And if you are responsible for creating the WWE, you should be affording people that are under 30 the opportunity to create these moments and really just just kick the door down on a new era of WWE. Don't be afraid of anything. WWE is strong enough that they can survive anything. You got Roman Reigns. You got Drew McIntyre. You got maybe Becky Lynch. Hopefully she comes back. You got Sasha Banks. You got Seth Rollins. You got all the legends. You got Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton still working. You have your foundation. Now let's go. And coming off of this year's WrestleMania, there's no reason. There's no reason it can't look like that. There's no reason why Aleister Black can't be an ass-kicking machine. There's no reason why Keith Lee can't run over everybody like a tank. 
no reason at all. That's what I want to see. And I can see it when I look at this Survivor Series card. I can see it all. Let's look at uh, Team Raw. AJ Styles, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Riddle. Riddle should just tap everybody out after WrestleMania. Everybody. Versus Kevin Owens, Jay Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and one other member that I'm assuming we'll find out the Friday before Survivor Series. Um, so... I think you're looking at... It makes the most sense that Raw would win this one. You know, I think you're looking at... Uh, uh, Ultimately, a story where Jey Uso disappoints the family again. Um, King Corbin and Kevin Owens don't get along. Seth Rollins, I wouldn't be surprised if Dominic Mysterio is the next person, so they don't get along. You know, and I think that, I think that on the Raw side, you should be left. Man, I think you should leave. I here's what I would do on Team Raw. Honestly, I would eliminate AJ. No, I, keep the whole team. Keep the whole team strong. That's what I would do. I would have everybody on SmackDown side get eliminated because they didn't get along. And I would have everybody on the Raw side magically get along. They've been trying to get the team on the same page this whole time. I would have the whole team get along. Uh, and then on the SmackDown side, you got Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, Lana versus Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan, and two other members that we'll find out, I guess, on Friday as well. Um... I either see Lana as the sole survivor or Lana as the reason that Nia Jax gets eliminated after Lana gets eliminated. Because I could see Bianca Belair, you know, coming out with the big W here too. So by my calculations, you got six matches. If Team SmackDown wins this one, then it's a tie. And if Team Raw wins this one, then Team Raw wins the whole night. So I guess we'll see, but it, that's probably my options. And then of course... The farewell to the Undertaker ceremony, whatever it will be. Rumors are running wild. I think uh, Savio Vega tweeted something about that he was going to be there. There's rumors that the, I don't remember. I don't know if the Godfather actually said it or they're just rumors that the Godfather will be there. Rumors that Kane's going to be there. You know, that it's just going to be, you know, all Undertaker's people. Um, I wouldn't be surprised and I am hoping that Undertaker gets his ass jumped. Undertaker's my favorite wrestler of all time. I hope somebody jumps him. I want this to lead to a WrestleMania match. And you're like, but Sam, you just said, well, you know what I just said? There's room to do this in a way where you could take advantage of having these legends that people love and still having the biggest stars. I think the best thing that can happen for The Undertaker is he either has a match with AJ Styles or Baron Corbin, either of those two. I don't want to see The Fiend because I think The Undertaker's got to win his last match. Probably AJ Styles, because that'll be the best match. It would do the most for Baron Corbin, even if he lost. But the match would be the best if it was AJ Styles, because AJ's so good. So either AJ Styles or Baron Corbin ruin this ceremony, and it leads to a WrestleMania match where The Undertaker beats that competitor in the middle of the ring, in the middle of the show. And he does it not in five seconds, not in three minutes like the Cena WrestleMania, which I still believe that was a conspiracy just to get the Undertaker's confidence back up coming off of WrestleMania 30 and 31. Um, yeah, I, I think that that was, that was a conspiracy. Uh, and it worked. Um, but yeah, you do a full-on match. The Undertaker has his last match. It is a singles match. It is 20 minutes. It's AJ versus Undertaker most likely at WrestleMania. And that gets set up at Survivor Series. That's what I would like to see. But at the same time, if it is what it is, and it's just the same way Ric Flair had a goodbye, I'd be okay with that too. My only thing is, it seems like this has to close the show. I would love for The Miz cashing in to close the show. But it seems like this Undertaker thing has to close the show. I'll tell you, it definitely has to close the show if nothing happens. If it's just The Undertaker's retirement and we're just honoring The Undertaker, then that definitely has to close the show. It's amazing that it's been 30 years for The Undertaker. And if anybody is Mr. Survivor Series, I was thinking about this uh, last night. I think uh, 
I don't think anybody's had a run of Summer Slams the way Bret Hart has, and we've talked about that many times. We're talking about 90, 91, 92, 93, 94 for Bret. 95, he had Isaac Yankum, no good. 96. Was 90, I think 96. Was 96 The Undertaker? Or was that 90? No, that was 97 was The Undertaker, which was classic. Who did Brett have at SummerSlam 96? I don't know. But he had a hell of a run. Shawn Michaels is obviously Mr. WrestleMania. But I started thinking about The Undertaker's impact on Survivor Series. Survivor Series 1990, he debuts. Survivor Series 1991, he wins his first championship. He beats Hulk Hogan, which hadn't been done. I mean, you know what I mean, so to speak. Summer, uh, Survivor Series 92, first coffin match, he beats Kamala. Survivor Series 93, he's, you know, he's just on the babyface team. Survivor Series 94... Another coffin match. He finally gets his revenge on Yokozuna. Survivor Series 96, that's his match with Mankind where he comes down from the ceiling. And the reason why that is so important is because that's when he first ditches the purple gloves. He ditches the gloves. He completely changes the Undertaker. That's the beginning of the dead man and the Lord of Darkness that will permeate throughout the Attitude Era. Um, And it goes on. You know, SummerSlam 97 is, of course, Montreal. And backstage, he had such an important role in that. And it goes on and on and on. But no, I don't, I don't know anybody that's had a Survivor Series run like The Undertaker. But even if it were just the place where he made his debut, 30 years later, we're sitting here, and 30 years later, we're celebrating The Undertaker. Yeah, I'd say it was worth it. Look, guys, don't forget to sign up. Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. You can be a NotSam shell today. You can, uh, for less than a dollar a week, you can get access to our Discord room. You can get the bonus podcast every Thursday. Um, you get the podcast early and ad-free. Uh, but there's also many, many different tiers. You know, before I recorded this podcast for the Hall of Fame level, not Sam Shills, I actually jumped on Zoom with him for like 40 minutes. And we just chatted and brainstormed about wrestling and got me in the mood to talk wrestling here on the podcast. And it's one of the reasons why I'm just able to sit here and be shot out of cannon, shot out of a cannon for an hour and however many minutes we've been doing this thing. So, yeah, man. I, uh, 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 so I appreciate all you guys that are doing that already. And if you're not, sign up. It's a lot of fun and join us. Uh, also, don't forget to watch Not Sam Wrestling on the free version of the WWE Network. Uh, right now, the episode that's up currently, Samoa Joe interview. We compare the Anawaii family and the Hart family. And then we also tell the story of The Undertaker and Kane. It's just such a, a crazy fan centric nerdy wrestling show that I can't believe exists and I'm so proud of it and I'm so happy doing it but the episode that will go up Thursday morning 10 a.m. Eastern on the free version of the WWE Network will blow your mind make sure you're there for that I appreciate all you guys and we'll see you soon here on Not Sam Wrestling goodbye thanks for listening follow at Not Sam on Twitter Instagram Facebook and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.